And when I say the word prayer, what words pop into your mind? There's a lot of us, and we're spread all across the county. So my guess is there's lots of different words, and probably even the words that we think of now would be words that are different than what we thought of even in other seasons of our life. Um, at different points of my life, here are some of the words that I would have used to describe prayer. Boring, exciting, a waste of time, the best time, long, short, it felt like work, felt like worship, disappointing, fulfilling, optional, necessary. And that's just me, y'all. I, I bet all of us have a similar struggle of conflicting words when it comes to prayer. That's one reason why I think in our passage today, we can come to appreciate the beautiful simplicity of Jesus. Jesus is going to take this complicated topic of prayer, and think about it. We, the created, are talking to God, the creator, the God of the universe. Big, huge God of the universe is going to talk with, with us. That's complicated. To, to even try to think about how that could even happen is mind-blowing. And yet Jesus is going to take that concept and he's going to bring it all down into its simplest form. And he's going to reveal to us that prayer is just a conversation. And it's not just any conversation either. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, Jesus actually shows us that prayer is a conversation between a father and his children. Maybe you're like I was a couple of years ago. Prayer was something that I had to do, or at least something I thought I was supposed to do, more than it was something that I get to do. I didn't used to be that way. Believe it or not, when I first got saved back in high school and then in college, man, I loved spending time with my Savior. I would get up early in the mornings and I would just set aside blocks of time just to be with Him. I loved prayer. I was fueled by passion in prayer. But something happened along the way and, and I can remember now, like just it, it somewhere turned into this, this lifeless task. But remembering that prayer is talking to my dad transformed it from a lifeless task into a life-giving talk. In this section of scripture that we're going to look at today, this is a big part of why God changed my perspective on prayer from duty to desire. Let's take some time and walk through Matthew chapter 7. Verses 7 through 11. In these short five verses, I think what we're going to find is that Jesus shows us why we pray and he shows us how we pray, and all of it, every last bit of it, is grounded in a conversation with the Father. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. Listen to what Jesus says Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? All right. 
So let's just take a few minutes and let's just talk through why we pray and how we pray. Not to be too simplistic, but can I tell you the reason we pray is because we need. There are things that we haven't received and so we ask. There are things that we haven't found and so we seek. And there are doors that have yet to be open in our lives and so we knock. Some think that praying because we have needs is selfish, and, and I can understand that, but Jesus says that that's the primary reason that we pray, is that we need something, so he says ask and seek and knock. And what we'll find, though, is that as we grow and as we mature, the something that we need will change, it will deepen. It's another reason why we pray, not just because we need, but because God gives. Don't you see the simplicity of this in relationship? We have a need, and so we pray, and God loves to give, and so we pray to the Father. Verse 8 is clear, that if we ask, and if we seek, and if we knock, we will receive. But look at verse 11. Verse 11 reveals whose actual giver is. The giver is God. God is a giver. We know this, right? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his son. James 1.17 says that his gifts are good and they are perfect. Not that we, of course, always appreciate it, but I think the greatest gift that God gives us in prayer is himself. It's his presence. Remember what Jesus said, prayer is a conversation between the father and his children. It's a conversation between a dad and his kids. It's the reason why I'm, I'm actually delivering this message, recording it on a couch. I wanted you to remember that it's a conversation. It's like sitting on the couch with your father and talking to him. That's what prayer is. It's, it's why Jesus uses the illustration of parents and children next. And so if you continue, we'll see that in just a few minutes that he starts to talk about if, if a child asks a parent and wouldn't a parent give. And it's all this relational language. And Jesus is driving home the point that prayer is a conversation between a father and his children, right? Do you know that in the Sermon on the Mount, in these three chapters that we're looking at, Matthew's five, six, and seven, those three chapters, 18 times Jesus uses the word father. And every single time, it's accompanied by a possessive pronoun. My, my father, our father, your father. Jesus is driving home the fact that it's a personal relationship that we have with the father. You and I aren't coming to a robot to ask for something. We're coming to a dad just like your children come to you as parents, we're coming to our Father. We, we pray. That's why we pray, because we have a need and because God gives. That child asking dad picture really comes into play when Jesus starts to teach us how we pray. Now check this out. So we know why we pray, right? Because we have a need and because God gives. But how do we pray? Well, first, we, we pray without stopping. You know that in the Greek, when it says ask and seek and knock, what the Greek phrasing actually means is ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. We, we, we keep asking. We keep seeking. We keep knocking. If you're a parent and you have small children, do you start to see how this is a perfect picture of kids and their parents? 
I mean, when's the last time your child only asked you once for something that they really wanted, really needed? We keep on asking. We, we pray without stopping. Second, we pray without wavering. We lean into the definitive word will. It will be given. It will be found. The door will be opened. Hebrews eleven sixteen gives us this promise. It says about God that he is, not might be, not maybe, he is a rewarder of those who seek him. We, 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 we pray without stopping. We pray without wavering. And then finally, we pray without wondering. Can, can I boil this down? And maybe this is just me. I, I think it's probably all of us, but I believe that typically in prayer, we wonder about two things. One, is God able? And two, is he good, right? And we typically don't wonder about that until we haven't received the answer that we wanted. Are you like me? Is it just me? But when I pray about something and I feel like God says no, I immediately in my mind begin to wonder, wait, did he say no because he's not able to pull it off? Or if he is able to pull it off and he said no, did he say no because he's not good? And then we come to church, we sing songs about the goodness of God. And we have to wrestle through, like, wait, if he's good, why didn't he answer my question, right? We start to wonder. What I want you to know is that sometimes a no now opens the door to a yes later. Sometimes because God is good and wise, he says no right now. Because he knows that what we're asking for isn't actually in our best interest. Look back at verses 9 and 10. Don't you love the way Jesus worded? He said, if a, if a child ask for bread, would you give him a stone? It, what if the child had asked for a stone to eat? Would any good parent say yes? Of course not. And so even in the asking of prayer, God is wise and good and he knows what's best for us. And his response reveals that. Is it hard to hear God say no? 100%. But listen, I want you to get this. Prayer is where a good father prepares his children to receive good gifts. And so sometimes in prayer, he's going to say no because he knows that it's not the time for us to receive the good gift. He knows that we're not ready to receive it. Sometimes he knows it's not the right time for us to receive it. And prayer is not just where he says no but where he actually in conversation and in relationship prepares our hearts to hear him say no so that we'll be ready to receive later. It's the conversation between a father who knows his kids better than they know themselves. And it's the place where the kids learn to trust that. If we're being honest, right, we all know that God knows more than we do. But gosh, isn't it hard when he says no and we want to say, God, I know better than you. Prayer is the place where we have the freedom to ask. And it's also the place where we can have the freedom to learn how to trust. And so it's okay when we ask and we don't get what we thought we wanted or what we thought we needed because our Father truly does know best. Prayer is the place. It's the place where he prepares our hearts. Because he's a good Father, he prepares our hearts to receive the good gifts. Listen, the Father's good. 
if we needed any more proof than that, it, that we would just have to look at the cross, right? The, the cross is the best proof of a good father. It was at the cross that the father gave his greatest gift. It was at the cross that he sacrificed his only son on the altar for us. But, but do you know what he did? I, I heard these lyrics in a song this week. I love this. He turned the altar into a table. Man, what a beautiful picture of the goodness of God, right? He turned the altar into a table, a place where family gathers, where a father can sit with his children, where he can pour into them, where they can have conversation. I love when our family gets together around the dinner table, and sometimes it starts kind of slow and it's kind of quiet and people are just chewing their food, but at some point, a conversation begins to happen and we talk about the day and we talk about things that we learned or saw. We talk about things that bugged us. We, we ask questions. We, we just exist together in that moment and I love it. That's what the altar became. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross turned the altar into a table and today he invites us to come to that table. Today we come to that table to celebrate communion. And, and today, wherever you are, as you begin to prepare the juice and the bread and whatever you're using, maybe you're using chips and, and Coke. I don't know what you have in your house, but whatever you're using right now to represent the, the body and the blood of Jesus, as you get that ready, we're coming together to a table. Virtually, yes, but still coming together to a table. And it's a place where we can have conversation with our Father. It's a place where we can listen to Him pour into us the things that He knows that we need. It's a place where we can be free to be ourselves, to bring our hopes and our fears and our disappointments, our frustrations. We can bring all that to the table and remember that our, our Father is good because He gave His best to us at the cross. You know, if you come to my house and you sit at my table and we share a meal together, as the father, I'm going to be the one that prays the prayer. And typically the prayer that I'm going to pray is going to be a blessing over the food, but it's also going to be a blessing over you because you'd be sitting at my table. And this morning, as we come to the table, we're coming to our father's house. We're sitting at his table and I want you, as you receive communion in your home with your family, as you, as you take the juice and you take the bread, I want you to listen to Phil and Jennifer as they sing a song that's just recently been released called The Blessing. And I want you to hear the Father, the good, good Father, who knows what you and I need more than anybody else. I want you to hear him sing these words over you. He is for you. He is for you for you and let the Father bless you. When you're ready, listen, take the bread, take the juice, receive communion there together, worship along with Phil and Jennifer as they sing this blessing from the Father over Hey.
thank you for the blessing that you sing over us. We thank you for what you pronounced at the cross, that our sin was paid for by a good father who gave a good gift. And I thank you that today, God, no matter what we're facing, we know that we have a place at the table with you. We have a place that we can come and have conversation with you, that prayer is nothing more and nothing less than that. It is relationship. It is the father talking with his children and his children talking with the father. And this is the place that you are preparing us to receive the good gifts that you have for us. I pray, God, strength and hope and peace over our church family today that you would use us, God, to carry the blessing to everybody that we encounter this week, whether in person or online, virtually, by phone or text, that everywhere we reach, we would extend the blessing of the Father. In your name, Jesus.